The Department of Health and Human Services recently issued two proposed rules which would allow hospitals to donate certain cybersecurity software and services to physicians. The move would modify the so-called Stark Law and Federal Anti-Kickback Regulations. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with regulatory attorney Julie Cass, co-chair of law firm Baker Donaldson's Health Law Group, who will discuss the HHS cybersecurity proposals and the potential impact if finalized. So Julie, as proposed by HHS, how would the cybersecurity donations work? For instance, who can make the donations, who might be potential recipients of the donations, and what sort of circumstances are we talking about? So there's two new rules that were proposed, one from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, that deals with the Stark Law, and so there's an exception that is being proposed under the Stark Law, and then the Office of Inspector General, OIG, also under HHS, is proposing an anti-kickback safe harbor And this is one area in these new proposed regulations where the two rules, both the exception and the safe harbor, are parallel. And what they attempt to do is to provide an exception slash safe harbor for cybersecurity technology and services so that hospitals and other entities could provide such technology to physicians. And the start arrangements are limited to designated health service entities and physicians, so we usually think of those in terms of hospitals and physicians. The anti-kickback statute is much broader and can deal with any kind of arrangements between any parties, so it could be folks other than physicians, but for purposes of this podcast and how people usually think about it, it is hospitals donating cybersecurity or other kinds of technology and having other financial arrangements with physicians. So in this way, These are very broad exceptions that would allow a hospital to make a donation in kind, not monetary, they're very clear about that, for cybersecurity technology or related services. And both, they're very broad in the definition of what cybersecurity is using the NIST technology, the NIST definition. They are similarly broad in what the technology is, they are really trying to create these exceptions so that there can be increased security because they've been hearing from a lot of stakeholders, such as hospitals that exchange information, that there really is a lot of protected health information that flows back and forth. And within the healthcare ecosystem, There's a lot of back and forth of information and there's a lot of risks associated with cyber attacks that really originate with what the government is called weak links. And physician offices are usually less technologically savvy than large hospitals and that's why you see these donations wanting to be given from the hospitals to the physicians so it protects the ecosystem. And so the things that they're trying to provide would include any kind of software and services. It does not currently include hardware, although both CMS and OIG have asked for comments on whether hardware should also be protected. With respect to software and services, it's any kind of cybersecurity software. It's services that are associated with developing or installing or updating cybersecurity software. It's training. It is 
any kind of services for business continuity and data recovery to ensure that things can stay up and running if there's been a cybersecurity attack. They allow for third parties to be involved in this, so software as a service kinds of third parties that monitor for cybersecurity attacks. And interestingly to me, because I think this is of great value, is services associated with performing cybersecurity risk assessments or analysis, vulnerability analysis, or penetration tests to really see what the holes are in any given system. And so very broad, allowing a lot of help to those that don't have cybersecurity technology. Interestingly enough, they are also proposing this as part of the electronic health record updates to those exceptions and safe harbors. So you could either get your cybersecurity as part of an EHR, but if you want it standalone, there is now going to be these standalone exceptions that finalized. Interesting in this standalone exception and safe harbor, there is no requirement that the recipient of the cybersecurity technology and services puts anything forward. In the EHR donation, there's a 15% at least amount that the recipient has to pay towards the technology. In this, there is no amount that the recipient needs to contribute, and so that's very good. And there's no limitation on who can be a donor for this. So while we've been talking about hospitals, EHR, there are limitations for laboratories, and the government often puts limitations on some ancillary providers to do some of these things. In the cybersecurity exception and safe harbor, there are no limitations on who can be a donor. So very broad, very wide-reaching, and it should really promote the safety of medical records. Now, Julie, you mentioned it's very broad in terms of who can be a donor. So say a hospital will say they're going to donate some cybersecurity software and services to you know a few of its doctor practices that are affiliated with the hospital. Is the hospital the actual entity that would be providing these software and services? Or would the hospital be able to say, hey, vendor who serves us, could you also serve our doctor practices with these cybersecurity software and services? So in other words, the hospital would be sort of the go-between, or does it mean that the hospital itself has to be prepared to be able to install and support these services? And then also when it comes to hardware, why not hardware at this point? So to answer your first question, the hospital doesn't need to be the actual provider. The hospital can contract with a vendor to provide the services. What can't happen, though, is for the doctor to contract with the vendor and then to ask the hospital to pay the bill, meaning give cash to the physician practice. It has to be an in-kind donation of those vendor services by the hospital, but they don't have to do it themselves. Hardware, they talk about hardware and why they're not protecting it at this point. This actually goes back to the EHR donation exception in Safe Harbor, which are also similar between Stark and Kickback. There, they also do not protect hardware. The government has a concern that when you protect hardware, it is multifunctional, and it won't be just for cybersecurity, and that it is much more valuable. And they really don't want all of that value going to potential referral sources. They're concerned that that's too much remuneration and could raise the risk of fraud and abuse going on. And so they've opted 
at least in the proposal, not to include hardware. They have asked for alternative proposals and said in the alternative, there may be the possibility to include hardware, but then there would be added requirements. And it would have to only be for hardware that isn't multipurpose. So, Julie, what do you see as some of the main pros and cons to hospitals and doctor practices if these new exceptions and safe harbor are approved to allow donations of certain cybersecurity technology and services to doctor practices? I know the goal is to strengthen the ecosystem there for cybersecurity within the healthcare sector, but would it also potentially make doctors' offices too reliant on others for their cybersecurity? So I think physician offices are free to have their own cybersecurity in place. I think that there's a lot of pros to the whole ecosystem. I think you'll get more security overall. And what's the reason at base for these exceptions and safe harbors is that people have said that these this is very expensive technology and physician practices really don't have the dollars to spend on cybersecurity that they need to. And if hospitals spend it instead or can use their power that they have to be more efficient and cost effective because you're doing it for many as opposed to one single doctor trying to get cybersecurity technology, there'll be efficiency and cost effectiveness so maybe the cost will be less overall, then the doctors will have the cybersecurity technology that's needed to protect the hospitals and the doctors. Because part of the issue is if there's a breach because of the cybersecurity attack, there's a lot of penalties that can be lodged upon the hospital for the breach. And maybe the breach really wasn't their fault because it came from another entity that was part of the system and that wasn't as secure Uh, Same thing for the doctor's offices. They'll be able to prevent a breach. I think that the only downside, if there is one, is that if this is finalized and folks are allowed to provide cybersecurity and technology, there might be a thought, if there is a problem, why didn't you provide this? And so there may be a higher standard that hospitals may now feel that they must provide this technology. Nothing in this rule says that they need to. I want to be very clear. But there might be a heightened standard that if there is some kind of breach, questions might be raised as to, did you do enough to assess risk because you weren't providing this? Did you know if those you were doing business with had appropriate cybersecurity in their systems? So, Julie, you bring up a good point, because whenever there is a large breach, we see class action suits. Do you think that if a doctor practice or clinic has a potential security breach, some sort of health data breach, and there is a class action suit filed against the doctor practice, do you think that there is the potential that the hospitals that provided that doctor practice or clinic with the cybersecurity donations could get pulled into it? As you sort of alluded to, there could be questions, well, did you do enough? Would they now become suddenly perhaps liable for the practices of the doctor practice in terms of what they've been doing or haven't been doing with their cybersecurity? Well, let me clarify. I think What might happen is if the hospital itself had a breach and that breach was caused by another entity within its ecosystem that it could have been providing cybersecurity to, then the hospital may have 
be questioned about having a higher duty to why didn't they make sure that their system was protected if they could have provided the cybersecurity to the physicians. So I really think that that higher duty is if they had their own breach, but it's caused by someone in their ecosystem. But to your question specifically, if a physician who receives a donation of cybersecurity technology then has its own breach because something still happens, could you bring the hospital into a lawsuit? You know, lawyers look to sue everyone when they bring a lawsuit, but having said that, I think it really comes down to the facts of whether the hospital really had any involvement at all. If they were just simply paying for a vendor to help out with cybersecurity, I'm not sure that 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 lawsuit would really withstand any kind of motion to dismiss if all they're really doing is paying for a vendor to help And unless they are very involved in the implementation and and how that cybersecurity is being done, I think it's less likely a problem for a hospital. But if the hospital is very involved in the implementation and exactly what the cybersecurity is that the physician group is receiving, that would make it more likely they could be brought into a lawsuit. So the more intimately related the hospital is with what's being provided, the more likely that the lawsuit could involve them. And finally, Julie, when it comes to HHS enforcement trends in general, anything else that the healthcare sector should be keeping their eyes on as it relates to cybersecurity, privacy issues, and fraud? I think the government is keeping a very close eye on this. It's some of their top priorities. Every day we see more settlements dealing with fraud issues, privacy issues, things with cybersecurity. We're hearing from our clients all the time, new trends in in how cybersecurity breaches are happening. The number of breaches is going up. It's certainly something the government is keeping their eye on and they're watching for providers that are taking this seriously. And if, you know, by chance there is a breach, are working proactively and quickly to alert people, including the government, as what has transpired and to come up with an action plan in the best way possible. Thank you, Julie. I've been speaking to Julie Cass. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.